Hello guys, welcome to yet another episode of Disproportionate Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 3. I I don't know what to title it, but let me give you the contents. Let me tell you what we'll be talking about this week. It's been a busy week, and this week we will be talking about charity shops getting, if anything, a little bit too clever. We'll be talking men who are mad for dessert. We'll be talking... (laughs) Supermarket branded lifestyle magazines. We have a whole new section called Botty. Best of the internet. The best small gripes from across the world. We'll be discussing false advertising with a very special guest. And we'll be checking out your suggestions for the worst things about autumn. All that and much more in this episode. Shall we get started? I think we probably should. Okay guys, ladies and gents, we need to talk about charity shops, okay? Cast your minds back about five years. I think that's when the change happened. Cast your mind back five years, a little bit longer, uh, and remember the heady days of being a, a bit of a high street pirate, going into a charity shop, plundering things of uh, decent value for next to nothing. You know why that was happening? That's because they were letting... Nice, lovely old ladies like Mavis and Doris not only staff the shops and raise money for the charity that they particularly wanted to help out, they were also letting lovely old Mavis and Doris price those items based on nothing but them having a look at it and thinking, "Hmm, what do I think that's worth? And pricing it accordingly. You could go in there, you could pick up, I don't know, there's tales on Antiques Roadshow and the likes of people picking up Clarice Cliff, famous designer, teapots, really rare stuff for like four quid and then selling it on for 150. Oh yeah, you could go in there, pick up a 60s vintage mink jacket. Oh, 15 quid, why not? Maybe it's worth 120, 150. Those days, let me tell you, are gone and I'm not happy about it. And do you know why that's happening, guys? The cheeky devils are employing people of younger generations who are maybe slightly more computer literate. And do you know what they're doing? They're doing research. Are you happy with charity shops doing research? I'm not. I'm not flipping happy about it. They're going on there, these younger generations. They're going on to your eBay or your major second-hand selling sites and seeing how much things are actually worth and actually going for and then marking them up accordingly in line with what they've gone for in the past. It's an absolute scandal. All your days of being the Long John Silver of the High Street are flipping gone. Forget about it. I'm calling for an end to it here and now. I am sick of things going in the charity shop for what they're actually worth. No treasure is left to be discovered, guys. Everything's being upsold or sold for the appropriate price. What its actual market worth is. Get Doris back behind that counter pricing up, okay? Get Mavis back there. Let them decide based purely on what they see when they look at it. Let them decide a price like that. The idea of charity shops is meant to be twofold as far as I used to be aware is that one, yeah sure you're raising some money for the charity, but two, things are a little bit, well not a little bit, inordinately cheaper than the rest of the high street. That is no longer the case. What really adds to the the injury, the insult of getting those younger generations in deciding the prices and doing actual research 
is that the only noticeable difference in the charity shop, aside from the price, is that it maybe smells a little bit less. <laughs> and I do mean a little bit less. There's still a whiff when you walk into a charity shop, let's be honest, guys. These younger generations know to spray a little bit of oust in there when they walk in in the morning. That is not enough of recompense. Not enough of a uh, make weight to make up for the inordinate rising prices of those items. I'm just not having it. Get those old ladies back there deciding the prices. I want to see anyone below the age of 65, 55 in fact, fired from those charity shops immediately. Bring back my plunder. Bring back my booty. Bring back, bring back my booty. Bring back my upselling. I want it. I want it back. Anyone below 50 out of the charity shops of staff right now. I'll take the whiff of ammonia back. Just for those lower prices. Okay, guys and gals, we need to talk this week about false advertising. I know we've talked about it in previous episodes, but I'm not talking about Dulcalax this week. I'm not talking about vegetarian or vegan sausages. No, no, I'm talking about the false advertising that takes place at the very start of serious relationships and in non-serious relationships. Specifically, about women and the false advertising that takes place around their toilet habits. Now, at the start of a relationship, for some reason, women just kind of carry out this lie to make men believe, this deception to make men believe that they do not need to use the toilet in the same way that we do. That sure, yeah, they occasionally might need to do a number two, you know, but it'll smell like perfume, it'll disappear into the mist and we'll have no knowledge of it. And so, even though you know the only difference between us is gender, somehow you're tricked into believing that they do not have the, the, the need occasionally to just deliver slurry to the toilet like men do. They make us feel gross about the fact that we have to do it, but we do have to do it, and here's where the false advertising takes place. So do they. But for some reason, they keep this information from us until we're far enough into the relationship to, you know, we're very attached, we're in love, all that kind of stuff. They know somehow, deep down, that men will be grossed out by this, even though it's completely normal. If we know it from the offset, they keep it from us until we're a little way in to, to, to discuss it today, to kind of get to the bottom of why this deception happens. I've brought in our special guest for this week, which is Maria. Hi, Maria. Hi. So, uh, I, I want to start by telling a little story. Oh, man. Okay. okay, I hope you're okay with this, but we will find out. Yeah. Uh, so... Not long into our... Well, no, it wasn't marriage. It was into dating, but it was a while into dating. We visited... Yeah, about a year. We visited... Uh, kind of... No, if you're listening from the US, it's like a state fair. If you're listening from the UK, uh, it was basically just like a local fair. And there they had the usual stuff, like nasty burger vans, etc. Now... Uh, we got said burgers. You don't normally do that in the UK burgers, kebabs that come from vans that park up at events. I mean, you are taking your life into your hands generally, but for some reason, we were starving. We decided to get burgers. Now, we were house-sitting at the time. We came back, and I really hope you won't be mad about this, Mars, but 
<laughs> I had to follow you into the toilet after you got back after complaining of a bad stomach, not long after eating the burger. And uh, all I can... Uh, I mean, it, it was literally a biohazard when I stepped into that toilet. And, uh, and I was shocked, not that women had to do that, but just, uh, just the, the pure disbelief. The difference between what I'd experienced following into the bathroom whenever that had have to happen in the the year leading up to that, like I, I was not prepared in any way. Can you talk us through <laughs> what? No, listen. Why that advertise? Why that false advertising takes place, and more specifically, what happened in that particular uh, instance that we're talking about with it? Um, thanks, thanks for that, Mike. My first yeah. introduction. <laughs> it's the smelly wife. Okay. Um, so, I obviously can't speak for all of mankind, as I know you would like me to. I can account for myself, and ladies who are listening, if you agree, then awesome. Um, key missed detail. At this little festival fair thing, who was in the van? Who made my burger? Somebody that my husband used to date. He spotted in the van, she clocked him, yeah, okay. clocked us, and then was just like whispering to her I, friend in the back I don't, I don't, and I, made I, me a burger. I don't think there was much whispering that took oh, place. No. There was whispering. I also don't think she did anything to your burger. I don't, I, well, either way, I ended up eating a rat burger of some sort, and that night I had a horrible stomach. Women do get food poisoning just like dudes. And, uh, mm. and You've had food poisoning an awful lot of times during our marriage. How, <laughs> how rude! <laughs> um, it's not. It's not true. Um, and so, yeah, that night my stomach was in a lot of pain, and I think yours was too. And we both knew just from. I, I didn't do that. Though. Shh. You probably did. It's just I know not to follow you into the bathroom. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I did leave a biohazard in the in the toilet. I did, but I flushed it, um, and I washed my hands. They had to do a full remodeling hey! of the bathroom. They didn't. That's they didn't. But... And I opened the window. And yeah. I'm saying those key things for a reason, right? Yeah. Women, yes, we do have the same bodily functions and compulsions, like needs. Like if mm. you eat a rat burger, you need to do a big old dump to get it out. Yeah, that's right, I said it. Um, you, you didn't see that, but even though I've been using words like slurry and biohazards, my wife saying the word dump made me pull a real grimace, which I know is sexist, I'm terrible. Yeah, but I love you. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I did, but here's the difference. Like, we don't want to leave the area in a state for the next person, and I think that's the thing that some dudes don't get. Like we will, like I open the window. I'll light a candle. I'll spray some perfume in there because it is gross. We know it's gross, and we don't want to share that grossness with you. Okay. Whereas, <laughs> whereas you guys seem to be like, yeah, bleh, have it, no. smell it, love me regardless. Yeah, there we go. So that's Maz <laughs> attempting to explain the false advertising that takes place there with women in the start of proper relationships and in very short-term relationships. Uh, whether you explained it sufficiently, that, that's up to you to decide. I still think some definite false advertising takes place. She has defended herself on that particular instance. So I was thinking maybe the difference is that, like, if you're around a dude's house, he doesn't have a candle in his bathroom. We're going to talk a little bit later. I mean, this is a bit of a tenuous link about <laughs> men 
who want dessert when they go out. Men who want dessert and men who have candles in their bathroom when no female lives with them are the same person, I'm going to say that. <laughs> okay, thanks, Maria. You're very welcome. Okay, guys, we are always looking for more contributors. We want to hear the things that are annoying you disproportionately. The way to let me know about that, if it's in written form, hit me up, Disproportionate Podcast on Instagram. Send me a message there. If you want to go a bit more old-fashioned, by all means, a longer message on email, disproportionatepod at gmail.com. Or if you want to be a real live guest on the show, wherever you're listening right now, there will be a link on that page that says... Send a voice message. Simply introduce yourself. Let me know what's been annoying you this week. Send it and it will be played out in your own dulcet tones to the disproportionate listening public. Next week, the week after, whenever. Okay, guys, I want to talk about Wish, about Alibaba, about all of those apps, all of those really cheap, lovely apps you can use to find garments, eye-popping fashion statements to wear at very cheap prices online and get them shipped from some factory where they're mass-produced in China. Out to you, represent out to you, represent out to the UK, sent out to America. You know, they've got copies of high street brands, they've got copies of the really high-end stuff, you know, the really fruity gear. Yeah, yeah, sure, you can have a gold lame suit manufactured and sent out. You can have a floral jacket sent out. I've got one of them, it's lovely. You can have your fruity weird shirts, your weird dresses for that, you know, that all-important party statement outfit. All of that's amazing. But the question is, there's two mental things going on here. Firstly... Wish, Alibaba, do not sell to the Asian market, okay? The people in Asia aren't using that. People in China aren't using Wish and Alibaba. So when they manufacture these garments, they know they're going to be sending them out to Europe. They know they're going to be sending them out to America. But their sizing model relies entirely on Asian sizes. <laughs> but to reiterate, we are their customer base. They know what sizes we are. But to calculate what sizes things are, they use the Asian model. I don't know if you've noticed, I know there's variation across all peoples. But the average Chinese man and the average European or man from the United States are very, very different sizes, okay? And they know this to the degree that with every garment they advertise, there'll be like 10 slides showing you the garment. But only six will actually be a view of the garment. And the last four will be four different size charts so that you have to do the legwork yourself and try and figure out which one might actually fit you. Now, you might be a large over here in the UK. Personally, I am. So you might be thinking, oh, a large or a large. Oh, don't do that. Because you'll order the flipping thing, you'll pay 30 quid, wait a month for it to arrive from China, try it on, and it'll cut off all the flipping blood circulation to your chest. Why? Why or why? Are they using the size that they are to determine 
the size and knowing full well they're not the people buying it and knowing full well who they are selling it to and what size those people are more likely to be. And the second question is how mental are we that we're prepared to pay, you know, 10 quid, 20 quid less per item to wait a month and then be insulted when it turns up if we haven't done the calculations properly. You know a place isn't a good place, a trustworthy place to buy from, yeah? If you can't rely on the measurements, even though they've given you four slides with every garment to give you a rough idea of what you should be ordering, no, 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 you're going to go down to the comment section before you order every item and rely on people who previously bought it to give you heads up such as bought in a large... Probably if you're going to get it, I'd go two sizes up, mate. How off is the system if you are relying... <laughs> <laughs> on disgruntled previous customers to figure out how off the sizing is before you decide which size to buy your garment in and then still being disappointed after a month of waiting for it. Absolutely shocking. Wish Alibaba sell the garments at the size of the people that you know full well you are selling it to and to us, people over here using them Stop using them until they sort the sizing out. We shouldn't be relying on disgruntled reviews to give us a heads up about what is the actual size you should be buying the garment in. What kind of system is that? Are you enjoying Disproportionate Podcast? Do you like hearing about small things in life that annoy us, or me more specifically disproportionately? I've got good news for you. This week's podcast is sponsored by First World Problems by Mike Shotton. That's me. It's available to buy right now on Amazon. Simply type in First World Problems Mike Shotton and there it'll be. It'll pop up as if by magic. It's a great little book that goes into many, many more small things that annoy us or me disproportionately. Empathise, sympathise with Mike as he wanders through the world, seeing all these things that could do with changing. There's little exercises to do. There's little doodles. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Check it out. First World Problems by Mike Shotton on Amazon. See you in a bit. talk about something that's been bothering me for a while and that is shops that sell plants that have no place selling plants okay <laughs> I'm not talking about garden centers I'm not talking about the supermarkets who tend to do a, an all right job of looking after those plants once I've got them in store I'm talking about your pound land I'm talking about your B&M oh I love a trip to B&M I love going in without having any idea of what I'm gonna buy and then coming out with 30 quids worth of stuff I have no use for really. But B&M and Poundland and the likes, these cheaper end shops on the high street, love, love nothing more than to buy in plants then make absolutely zero effort to water or take care of them while they're in stock. Now I'm not a tree hugger, I'm not a hippie, I'm not anything of that type. But don't buy plants in if you have absolutely no intention of watering them. You're taking something that should have like a two-year life or something and then shortening it down to five days as you will never water it the entire time it's on sale. I've seen stacks of plants come into a shop on a Monday 
going on Tuesday, uh, yeah, they're not too bad. You go back there, the exact same plants on Thursday, Friday. Oh, good grief. They have had better days. By the time a week's out, they are ready for the bin. Why are you selling plants that you have no intention of watering? You can't sell them anymore. No one's buying a brown withered plant. What is the point of selling them in your shop? I've even had it out with someone. I've been into B&M before and I've said, oh, the plants are looking a bit worse for wear. Like, I, I, I wouldn't quite like one, but they're all... Uh, do they get water? And she said, oh, no, we can't water them. And I was like, well, why not? And she was like, oh, well, because they're inside and it's a health and safety hazard. Someone might slip on the water that's left over. Then don't sell them. In what other scenario would that be all right? Oh, I've got a pet store. Yeah, got puppies, kittens, birds, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but they came in four days ago. They're starting to look a bit skinny. They're like yapping a lot. Barking a lot, seem like they're a bit starving, mate. Do you want to fan? Do you want to feed them? Want to give them some food or water? Keep them alive? Oh no, we can't. Health and safety hazard, you know. If we give them food, they'll have to cack. We'll have to clean it up. Give them water. You know, people could be slipping. You can't sell pets and not feed them and keep them alive. Similarly, you shouldn't be buying in plants with the idea that you will sell them onto people and then refuse to give them water so that. En masse, they end up going in the bin because they're dead within a week. It's absolutely shocking. You know, uh, companies nowadays, big companies, very keen on their green credentials, yeah? They want everyone to know that they are, you know, they're heading for carbon neutral, they're fighting against deforestation. So they're making all kinds of compromises. Argos, for example, let me give you this example. Argos, uh, a company that has always bewildered me, let's be honest. The way they sell things is bizarre. Basically, they have machines in shop and uh, you type in what you're looking for and you don't actually get to see the product. You get to see a picture of the product and then you get like a six number serial code if you want to order it, which you hand over to the guy and he brings out this item you've never seen but have already paid for and gives it to you. That's a weird way to do business, first of all. But secondly, a few years ago, they decided, because they were getting a bit of grief for the amount of catalogues they were putting out that went to waste, they thought, you know what? We don't want to look bad in the public eye, so let's try and do something. Let's cut the catalogues, okay? We'll make a big deal about how we're meeting our green quota we are not uh, for deforestation. So let's cancel all these catalogues. No more tons and tons and tons of waste paper every year, every season, whatever. They made a big deal of it, put it everywhere. The other day, I went into Argos, needed to try and pick something up, and there was catalogues there. I thought, eh? I thought these guys stopped doing catalogues. Oh, guys, there's a workaround. <laughs> they found an ingenious way to keep their green credentials and continue to manufacture catalogues. The catalogue is a tiny bit thinner. Oh, but it's not a catalogue anymore, guys. They kept the word normal catalogues because they've just renamed it Gift Guide. That's right. Argos catalogues, you might be thinking they're a thing of the past. They made a big deal about green credentials and no more waste paper. Oh no, the catalogues are gone. They're just 20 pages thinner and they're now called Gift Guides. Absolutely shocking. While on the subject, by the way, of absolutely nonsensical uh, magazines, catalogues, etc. 
What is going on with supermarkets? About 10 years ago, they started knocking out booklets on the entrance, on the exit, in the doorways. I don't mind the ones that are catalogues or small booklets telling you special deals on offers they have in store, that's fine. What I'm referring to specifically is, for example, I can't remember what they call it, but there's like a Tesco lifestyle magazine. And it's made up of things like recipes, how to make the best Korean beef ramen, how to make the best tacos, made up of ingredients to sell in store, but no mention of them quite sneakily. Now let's get this straight, I've got no problem with recipes, with recipe books. My question is this, who's thinking, I've always wanted to know how to make a beef ramen. Let's sound out if Tesco can tell me what the best route is and the worst thing about these books is it isn't like seasoned chefs who are telling you. They've tried to go the uh, community route so it's always like Sandra, a mom of two from Blackburn or something, is going to tell you how to make your beef ramen. Now two things here, firstly I don't know what her credentials are, can she cook, can she not and secondly why have you not got a, like, a Korean chef on board to tell you the best way to make their cuisine using their authentic ingredients rather than Sarah from Blackburn who is always, without a doubt if you ever look at these recipes, I always read them because they crack me up who is substituting pretty much everything that goes into it because she knows full well there aren't many places around her in Blackburn to get hold of these legitimate, authentic Korean ingredients so everything's being switched out. Or oh, if you can't get hold of that, why not try tomato sauce? If you can't get hold of these proper ramen noodles, why not try it with spaghetti? If beef brisket or shin beef's a bit too expensive for your family budget, why not try it with hot dogs? Then it's not a Korean recipe anymore, is it? Stop saying it's beef ramen. If you've substituted flipping soy sauce for salad cream or whatever, and spaghetti is being substituted for ramen. It, it, it's insane. If you're going to bother putting out such a weird magazine, first of all, who's buying it? Who's looking for recipes in Tesco doorway? And secondly, get an expert to do it who actually knows how to make the flipping ingredients, you absolute doils. Okay guys, it's time for this week's big question. Every week across social media we ask a big question and then we read out some of your answers on the week's podcast. Well, this week I asked the big question, I know autumn is amazing, what are the worst things about autumn? And here are your replies. Tracy says, nothing autumn rules. Well, that's a lovely answer, Tracy, but again, that's not really what I asked, is it? James says, only the colder weather towards the end, otherwise autumn rules. Again, eh, colder weather, I'll let him off with that one, no problem. Uh, Jim says, it has to turn into winter. Yep, true, very true. Uh, Lou says, dark on the way to work, dark on the way home. Yeah, that is a rough one, that is rough. Uh, Eddie says, pumpkin spice everything. It's all right in coffee, but not in cleaning products. You are right, Eddie, full marks. Uh, Mel says rain, Donna says leaves, all over the place, soggy, nightmare. <laughs> On a theme of leaves, Zoe says, underneath the leaves, the minefield of hidden poop. Yep, that is absolutely something you need to watch out for. Catherine says, 
The only bad thing about autumn is that it doesn't last until spring. I hate winter with a passion. Again, not really what I asked, but you know, I'll let you off. Uh, Jenny says, flies in my house, many. Uh, Jesse says, huge house spiders absolutely everywhere. Jojo, wind and rain together. Joel says, uh, those annoying people who think it's early enough to talk about Christmas. Tendai says, wannabe hipsters raving about pumpkin spice lattes. Uh, where are we? Jenny says, wrapping up on cold winter morning and de-icing your car to be sweaty by the time you reach work. Anna says, crunching snails on your paper round. On your paper round? How old are you, Anna? Uh, still got a paper round? Well, I mean, you know, times be tough. Get that money in, no problem. Uh, Emma says, uh, hidden dog turds under fallen leaves. Owen Fawkes talking about Christmas far too early for my liking. David says calling it fall. Yeah, that, that is one of my least favourite terms. Fall. You can't just call things by what's going on outside. All the leaves are falling. You know what we should call it? Yeah, you know. Erin says it's too dark too early. Amy says it's too expensive. Between Halloween stuff and then getting ready for Guy Fawkes night. I'm with you, it is expensive. You could just not feed strangers kids sweets though. As firstly, stranger danger. And secondly, well, well, why should you really? I've just realised Guy Fawkes night might need some explanation for people who are listening from outside of the UK, which is the majority of you, to be fair, looking at the analytics. Uh, so Guy Fawkes night is uh, one of those weird things in Britain where we celebrate... <laughs> <laughs> the fact that a guy who planned to blow up our Houses of Parliament was hung, drawn and quartered and burnt. And we celebrate that by letting off fireworks and burning effigies or puppets of him on large bonfires. Lovely stuff. Fun for all the family. And in a, thought, in a common theme, uh, Chris says the fact that Christmas baubles and Christmas cards are already starting to hit shop shelves. They are, it's shocking, I heard my first Christmas song yesterday, that is way too early guys, it is literally the 4th of November. I wonder if I could bring this into my birthday, do you know what I mean, it's my birthday not too long, could I start celebrating that and you know, pushing people to get the gifts in, in early October, late September, do you mate, what other holiday do we start celebrating or start knocking out stuff that is buyable? Two months before the actual event. Shocking stuff. Anyway, those are the things that you guys dislike the most, the worst things about autumn or fall, as our friends in the US call it. We'll have another big question next week. Keep your eyes open across social media. You know how to do that. Uh, disproportionate Facebook page, disproportionate podcast on Instagram. Uh, or if you want to send one in personally you know how to do that voice note via where you're listening right now there will be a little link that will say leave a voice message do that we'll play it out live and direct next week on the podcast but keep an eye open for what the actual question is before you answer it obviously Okay, guys, time for a brand new feature this week. We haven't done this before on Disproportionate Podcast. I'm calling it Botty. That is best of the internet. We look across the internet, scour, troll the internet, you could say, for the best examples 
of petty rage, things that have been annoying people across the world disproportionately, but only very small things. Let's check it out. Natalie says that the cutest knitwear available is always made out of acrylic fabrics. I don't want to sweat my backside off while I'm trying to look half decent during winter. Absolutely love this one from Gemma at work, asking if anyone wants anything from the chippy. No, but I'll pinch a chip if you get some. No, you flipping won't. <laughs> Chris says those adverts for mini electric heaters, which use less power than a television, as if there is any correlation between those two items. When you're in a public toilet or a toilet at work, trying to have a nice quiet dump and then someone comes in the toilets and lurks about for ages doing nothing in particular. Just get out. Why are you in here breathing in my stank, says Rob. <laughs> David comes in with <laughs> having to actually dry all the washing up because it's no longer good enough to let everything drip dry according to the wife. Ooh, this is the kind of thing we're looking for, guys. Disproportionate rage. My partner using baking foil shiny side up, it really bugs me, says Nicola. I'm not bothered if it makes no difference to cooking. I just like what I like, and foil must be used a dull side down. Applying for jobs when you're middle-aged, says Tasha. Stop asking about my GCSE results. What relevance does that have to the job? I'm 45 years old. <laughs> Christy comes in with the aftermath of eating crisps or Bombay mix in bed. <laughs> I wish I could say I haven't done that kind of thing before. Yeah, it's horrible. Listen, change your sheets right now for the next week you're going to be trying to get rid of those bits otherwise. You try sleeping on two or three chickpeas, cooked or otherwise, not happening. A classic from John here. People who use their kids' sporting events to coerce you into socialising with them. If I've never been for a pint with you on a night out, why the hell would I do it with your kids in tow? <laughs> Woman on the news going on about buying a hot water dispenser and throwing her kettle away because she's just boiling the same water again and again. Just don't put as much water in your kettle, you bellend, says Alex. <laughs> and this one finally from Trevor for this week. Uh, you know there's been those people who've been... Yes, they want to call it protesting stuff by gluing their hands to famous pieces of art and stuff. Trevor says, people who glue their hands to stuff, I'd leave them there forever. No food, no nothing. Lock the door, walk away, place closed. Okay, one more. It's a particularly good one. This is from Kev. Sitting in a queue for the car wash, mouthing obscenities at the knobs in front of me whose cars aren't even remotely dirty. <laughs> go now that guys is some disproportionate rage at small incidents will be more of that more botty next week best of the internet you like that huh you like that i was uh, i was on a mooch the other day right i was on a mooch around borough I had to pick up a couple of items and uh, I had the misfortune of having to use, getting caught short a little bit, having to use Borough Bus Station Toilet. Now, this, to anyone from the area of old, would conjure up horrendous images, and that would sound like the start of a, a story you would have told at Halloween, okay? I had to use Borough Bus Station Toilets. Nowadays, uh, they are charging. They are charging to use Borough Bus Station Toilets, which in itself, 
is mind-boggling. I, uh, I really, really object to being paid to use the toilet anyway, but that kind of thing has crept in. It's pretty standard now. A lot of places you have to pay to use the toilet. Now, the reason that they always give, including on a sign in Borough Bus Station gents' toilets, is that the charge is for upkeep. I don't mind that. Listen, if I'm paying money and I'm going into a pristinely kept, cleaned every couple of hours bathroom, yeah, sure, I'll pay 20p not to have the walls absolutely smothered like they used to be in the homeless dude's feces for whatever reason. Why do homeless dudes, or whoever it is, crackheads, whatever, insist on smearing whatever they're letting out of their body on the toilets or writing obscene messages on the flipping walls. To avoid that kind of situation, I don't mind spending 20p. Here's my problem. Don't be charging me to go to a disgusting bathroom with the idea being that it's for the upkeep when I can clearly see no upkeep is going on in those toilets. Absolutely disgraceful. Firstly, there was like two urinals and two cubicles both in absolutely disgraceful states <laughs> i would have felt bad having to use those conveniences for free i would have felt like oh this is not the ideal situation should i look elsewhere but to be paid go through a flipping swinging gate like i'm on my way to an attraction a theme park or something and then be met with that abomination and then see the sign above me that says that the charge is for the upkeep when the toilets are nigh on falling down insult to injury is the phrase not only do i have to use these bathrooms because there's nowhere else that's close enough that i can risk waiting and getting to but being charged to see that being charged to still see the horrendous daubings on the inside of the door. To still see the prehistoric fecal-based finger paintings on cubicles. Disgraceful! Imagine being charged for that. Charge me for upkeep, but do some upkeep for goodness sake. Get your heads in order. You know... Guys and gals, ladies and gents, I realised the other day that there are certain things, probably in all of your heads, but certainly in my head, that uh, that I just regard as wild, just strike me as weird curveballs, and make me instantly not really know what to do with, or what else to expect from the person who said it. Let me tell you the situ, okay? There's a group of dudes out, we're all out, there's a group of us close mates, there's a few people there who are kind of friends of friends, people are meeting for the first time. And while we're discussing what to do, okay, what, what the main activity should be for this big group of lads between the age of, I don't know, mid-30s and early 40s. And a lad I've never met before said this. Ooh, I'd love a dessert. Should we all go for some dessert? And, and my mind did two things, it thought. No, but it also kind of thought, why has he said that? I know it makes no sense, but in my mind, I didn't know what to do with the, the kind of dude. I'd never heard it before. The kind of dude whose first thought went out with a massive group of lads would be, oh, should we go and get a nice luxurious bit of chocolate cake? Should we go to one of those ice cream parlours and get a Knickerbocker Glory together? Listen, I'll demolish a Knickerbocker Glory at home in my living room. This isn't some macho bravado thing, but I don't... 
I just instantly knew we might hang out a dozen times in a social setting as a group of friends. But me and him personally would never really get that close because that is just such a wild thing to say. And my prejudice about tiny things that are inconsequential brain just said, nah. I didn't know what else I could expect from this dude. Like if he considered this normal, and a perfectly normal suggestion for this setting. What's he getting up to behind closed doors? Do you know what I mean? I know it makes no sense. But dudes who are wild for dessert. And not, not just grab a McFlurry on the way past McDonald's after a curry. But actually go sit down with a group of full on men. And have dessert. I, can you trust that dude? I don't know if you can. What other weird things is he doing? Like is he, is he part of a pyramid scale selling... Essential oils? Does he do a Zumba class on a Tuesday night? I, does he like a nice warm bubble bath at the end of a long day's work? I just don't know. There was nothing wrong with liking dessert. It was the setting and I realised I have a real problem with perfectly normal activities in, in weird settings or the suggestion of them with groups of people they don't fit with. Look, it, it's not a chauvinist, it's not a sexist thing. You don't expect to be a, see a massive group of uh, women at a hen party, let's say, at a UFC fight. That would look out of place. That would feel a bit weird. You don't expect a group of middle-aged dudes sat around a table with no women present eating dessert in a luxurious dessert parlour. Doesn't fit. You wouldn't sit down and watch an X-rated film with your grandparents. Certain things don't belong in certain situations. And that made me think, what are the things in your mind, guys? What are the things that you haven't really considered, but for you, are an instant nap when someone suggests them? Because you just know, instinctively, those people do not belong in that setting, and why have you suggested it? So the homework, guys, think of it. Think of those lists in your mind. Think about those subconscious biases you have. What are those things that you just think instantly? I don't know why you've said that. That's weird. The kind of dude who's wild for dessert, I've got to imagine, is lighting candles in his bedroom before he goes to bed. He's listening to whale song as he drops off. He refers to his pyjamas as gym jams and he wears them as a full set with those weird extra thick nighttime socks. I can only imagine that's the combo and I just wasn't comfortable with it. Everything's fine. Most suggestions are fine, but keep them, I beg you, in their appropriate settings. And that is it for another episode of Disproportionate Podcast. Join me back here for episode four of season two next week. I'll see you then. In the meantime, be in touch, Disproportionate Podcast on Instagram, disproportionatepod at gmail.com via the old-fashioned method of email, or you can just leave me a voice note right here. Okay, see you next week.